buzzards <laughs> this is macy this is nicole and you're listening to Buzz Killers. <laughs> i'm so fucking pissed at myself right now so we're laughing a little bit because we just recorded a few minutes of this episode and we a realized good 15 minutes of we, this we realized macy's microphone was not on <laughs> So we well, are. at least we know that I was a good person and <laughs> I turned it off the last time we used it. Uh, <laughs> I tried. <laughs> I attempted to do the right thing. <laughs> anyway, guys, you are listening to the last episode of Ho Ho, Ho Homicide. The weather outside is frightful, but in here we're just talking about murders, baby. Hell yeah. <laughs> 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 um, we're going to keep this brief because we already did this. Yes, yes, we did. <laughs> Macy, want to tell them what we are drinking? <laughs> I'm so fucking pissed. I just happened to like look over and be like, "There's no sound coming out of my out of my mic." <laughs> I see Nicole is talking. Oh no! <laughs> and you can like hear me in the background. Like you could. Yeah, hear you me. could. Hear, I could hear you in the background, but it would have been the pain. No, everybody would have been like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> Sorry. This is the way it is. <laughs> we are drinking what I like to call a not cinnamon toast crunch drink. Not cinnamon toast crunch. <laughs> I vaguely remember in college having a cinnamon toast crunch shot, which is fireball whiskey and rum chata. If you guys haven't had it, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I attempted to recreate it <laughs> in, in, a, in a cocktail form. It did not work out so great. <laughs> we used whiskey that might have been a little too strong. Yeah, it's not Fireball. <laughs> it's um, stronger than Fireball. It's, it's so called... cinnamony that it literally tinted the rum shot of pink. Yeah, it's called Inferno 101, and the liquor itself uh, is literally uh, hot pink. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, it, it tastes pretty good. It but, does. Uh, it does clear out your nostrils. Yeah, it really does, actually. <laughs> I... If I had any sort of congestion before, it's gone now. I, I actually do not, which is kind of, it's great. <laughs> I was kind of sniffly last episode. <laughs> sniffly last episode. Um, but it's a, it's a pretty good Christmassy drink. It is. It kind of has like a chocolate martini kind of a feel. Yes. Um, Like I said the first time we recorded this, <laughs> it is like a hot tamale candy with a cream filled center. It really is. <laughs> It gets you. It, it really gets you right in the palate. I was going to say, I took a big sip of it in that moment. I was like, I've but got doesn't this. It, it doesn't it get you like right behind like your palate, like right in the back of your throat. Yep. You're just like, mm, this tastes pretty good. And then you swallow it. And then you swallow it and you're like, like yo. <laughs> so um, we'll see if we're not fucked up by the end of this. Yes, because the reason it's called Inferno 101 is because it's 101 proof, which translates to 50% alcohol. 50% <laughs> the face you just made. <laughs> it's good. I mean, it's good. 
But I, I, we talked about this last, <laughs> the last time. The last time we recorded. The last time we recorded this five minutes. Um, <laughs> it need, it just needs something else. I know. And I can't figure out what it is. It's I, good. But I it feel just, like. Like a chocolate element or like. Yeah. Some sort of like. Something to counteract that cinnamon cinnamon. Yeah. And I don't. Because without, without a less strong alcohol. That was good English right there. Without a less strong alcohol. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> like, ins- like, if we had used a fireball instead of this Inferno stuff, uh-huh. I think it probably would have been perfect. Yeah, but I think yeah. because this is, like, But we were like, what do we have neon. in our cabinets? <laughs> <laughs> we literally, guys, okay, as you know, we work together. So we sat in the break room the other day, and I was like, okay. She was like, this is what alcohol I have in my house. And I was like, cool, this is what I have in my house. Now let's look up drinks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's how we came up with this. I, I mean, I had to go buy some rum chata, but that's okay. That's all right. I'll drink it. It's rum chata good. is good. And it's my, good in your coffee. It is good in your coffee. Mm-hmm. It's really good in your coffee. Anyway, Nicole, what are we talking about again? <laughs> so I am going to be telling you the mysterious tale of the Sodder family, also known as the children that went up in smoke. I said this the last time, but you guys didn't hear it. <laughs> you wouldn't have heard it because my mic wasn't on. Um, I had, I never knew that it was that, like that that was like what it, like this children that went, went up in smoke. I've never heard of it like that. You dropped the pillow. I How dare you? I dropped the pillow. You I are knocked. a mess. I must just knock the microphone over. <laughs> Come back, giant yellow pillow. I like you. You were supporting my backside. That's when I'm, I had a I had a Jeep for a long time, and I bought it on like a crazy deal. It was like a great Jeep for very cheap. And me um, with my current Jeep. <laughs> yeah, and then something terrible happened, and I lost my Jeep forever. Um, <laughs> and, um, you couldn't move the seat. <laughs> No. That was the one thing that it had, like, cosmetically, that was not great. Was <laughs> that the little thing to, like, move your seat, like, frontwards and backwards so that you could, like, bring it all the way back or the, front the, was oh. broken. Oh. So <clears throat> Tyler got as as much forward as he could with, like, tweezers or, like, not tweezers, like, pliers or something. Yeah. And I bought that uh, pillow from Target <laughs> to prop me up. That's hilarious. So that I could try. <laughs> Yeah, I just couldn't put you, my head in. You drove the bougiest Jeep. <laughs> the just, fancy yellow pillow. Yeah, and I would have like these like yellow like little like fibers all over my clothes. Because <laughs> it was a shetty. It sheds. So anyway, like Nicole just dropped my yellow pillow. Threw it. Flung it. Anyway, solder children. Yes. <laughs> Smoke pillows. What are you going to do? Smoke pillows. What are you going to do? I already had like four sips of this drink before we when we were already started 15 minutes ago it's a good it's a mini <laughs> we'll just it just gets it's just gonna get better from it's here it's gonna get better it's just gonna get better from here friends okay solder okay. children we're ready we're ready so this story begins in 1908 when giorgio sadu immigrated to the united states from italy at the age of 13 um he came over with his brother um, who basically just like dropped him off at Ellis Island and hopped <laughs> back on the boat and like yeeted straight back to, your, um, to Italy. <laughs> yeet by. He literally dropped him off and was like, have fun, little bro. Yeet. <laughs> um, Hope you get the American dream. Yeah. Like, so <laughs> I, I, they literally just like dropped this 13 year old off and left him. I just like can't imagine blows that. My mind. But I mean, also, you were allowed to get married at like some ungodly young age. So 
Yeah, and you, well, and at that age, you could work too. Yeah, yeah. Today we have those labor laws. The labor, the kids, child labor laws. Kids yeah. that young, really, unless you're like doing rake, like you're like raking lawns. I like, you, I like mow really, this person's lawn. Yeah, yeah, I like shovel their walk. Yeah, yeah I walk their dog. Like that's you babysit, babysit their like, kids. <laughs> yeah, you, that that's the most you do at thirteen now. Um, not work in like a sweat. Yeah, Shop. yeah, <laughs> making but clothes and those kinds of things. The crazy thing is, is that the time before he immigrated, he doesn't really talk about it much, and huh. it was like a well-known fact that this time period was not something he discussed, which is interesting. It's very odd. So the time he had with his family in Italy is very unknown. What happened that caused him to immigrate and be left by himself? No one really is knows. a mystery. Okay, okay. Um. But Giorgio entered the United States through Ellis Island and, like America likes to do, we were like, you're not American enough. We're going to change that name. And Your last name is Sodder now. Giorgio Sadu became George Sodder. Um, <laughs> they were like, nah, you're George. Um, Your name is George. So George, he quickly found work on the Pennsylvania Rail- Railroads and just kind of started making a living for himself. Okay. Um, he eventually went on to move to Smithers, West Virginia, and he started his own trucking company. Did you say Smithers? Smithers. Not just like Smithers. It might be Smithers. What is it? S-M-I-T-H-E-R-S. Is it Smithers? I was calling it Smithers. Smithers. I mean, maybe Smithers. I don't know why. But only because it's like, um, like, uh, I keep thinking of it being like a butler name. Smitty. Smithers. <laughs> I would be like Smitty. <laughs> oh, anyway, sorry. Yes. Um, this, is, this is Smithers. My friend in college, Tom, used to call all of the squirrels Schmitty. That's oh. a fun fact. I don't I know like why, that. but every squirrel was named Schmitty, and every time we saw one, he was just Schmitty. Oh, hey there, Schmitty. I have picked this up and have not dropped it since. Do you say it? <laughs> They're always just Schmitty. Look, a Schmitty. Every squirrel is a Schmitty. <laughs> they have no other names. Okay. Um, a Schmitty. Fun a facts. S- a Smithers. Fun facts about me. Hey, Tom. <laughs> I know he listens to this. Oh, does he? Yes. Hi, Tom. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> George started his own trucking company, and by the age of 28, he would go on to meet Janine or as she became known, Jenny, aka Cipriani. Okay. Um, and she had also immigrated from Italy at the age of three. Um, at that time when they met, she was in her mid twenties, and she was working at her father's store in Smithers. 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 I don't know what I thought you said the first time you said this. I only noticed this this time. I'm so glad that they don't stay in this town and I don't have to say it again. Smithers. Um, <laughs> Smithers. It's definitely Smithers. It's definitely Smithers. <laughs> <laughs> There's a bunch of people in West Virginia going, you fucking idiot. <laughs> we are sorry. Um, we are s- we, this, you Smitherites. <laughs> we're so sorry. <laughs> so George and Jenny... Um, went to get married. Went on to get married in the 1923, 
Um, and they immediately started a family. Okay. From 1923 to 1943, George and Jenny would have a total of 10 children. Yikes. I can't even imagine. Big yikes. I... <laughs> Listen, I have trouble wrapping my mind around squeezing squeezing one, one out of me. One. I can't imagine for 20 years birthing 10 children. And never having a cocktail for I, a long time. I would cry. For a long time. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be like, oh, God, why is she upset? And I'd be like, I just want alcohol. <laughs> I can't do this It would be like an empty bottle of wine in my hands. I'd be like, please give it to me. Um. but george jenny and their 10 children um eventually ended up settling in their new home within fayetteville west virginia and in this town there was quite a large group of italian immigrants so they kind of had their own small community that reminded them of a home right 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 wow i'm stuttering so bad right now it is because of the 50 proof alcohol and that we recorded another mini right before this so we've had lots of alcohol um (laughs) sorry not sorry the family quickly became well known in the area they were very respected um they were just kind of known as a good family um george was very outgoing he was kind of opinionated when it came to business and politics and wasn't mm-hmm. afraid to voice said opinions. Um, okay. But they were very well liked throughout the area. Okay. So this tragedy wow. Man. begins on Christmas Eve of 1945. Okay. Um, George and Jenny sent their nine children off to bed in preparation for the big holiday celebration the next morning. Right. Um, and I say nine children because one of their children, who was 21-year-old Joe, was away serving in the army at the time. Yes. And yeah, um, you said this the last time that it was like, right. <clears throat> yes. They had just, like, said that the war was, World War Two was over. Yes. They had just okay. declared peace for World War Two, So he was kind of finishing up everything he, he was everything joe was working on and he just hadn't come home yet yet. um so they spent that night opening a couple gifts each just being a family and you know when george and jenny tried to send them to bed maurice and lewis two of their um younger boys begged to just stay up a little bit later Mm -hmm. and they were like okay it's christmas just before you go to bed please go outside onto the farm feed the cows and put the chickens in the coop okay um, little did they know this would be not a very happy holiday for them. Around 1 a.m., George and Jenny woke to the smell of smoke. Ugh. Yikes. That's um, terrifying. They had discovered a fire had broken out within their home, and they immediately began screaming and yelling for all of their children to just get out any way they could, get out of the house. Um... Jenny grabbed three-year-old, I'm um, sorry, two-year-old Sylvia from her crib in their room. And when they got outside, they found 23-year-old John, 17-year-old Marion, 16-year-old George Jr. Oh, and yeah, that, that was <laughs> those three out on the front lawn already there. Unfortunately, their other five children whose bedrooms were on the second floor, unlike the kids that had already made it outside, um, had not come out. come out at all. 
Man, okay. So still inside, supposedly trapped on their second floor bedrooms, were 14-year-old Maurice, 12-year-old Martha, 9-year-old Louis, 8-year-old Jenny, and 5-year-old Betty. Yikes. Um, Okay. They shared two bedrooms on the second floor. So they said that when they got outside, one thing they did notice is that they could not hear the children. They didn't hear any screams for help. They couldn't hear any crying or shouting, no banging on windows. There was no sign of life, basically, from the second floor. Man. Um, uh, And it did not mention, I'm assuming that the front door was either too hot to go through or it was up in flames because George ended up actually breaking a window onto the first floor. um, And during this, he actually sliced his arm open really badly. And was bleeding <laughs> pretty heavily and just, like, did not, just, like, kept going. Yeah. He was like, I have to find my children. He got through the window, but when he reached the stairs, they were totally engulfed in flames. Oh. He made his way back outside, and his first thought was, I'm going to grab the ladder that was that's propped against the house and try to get through an upstairs window. Yeah. He goes to get the ladder, and where it is normally propped against the house, where he always, always leaves it, it is gone. Weird. Okay. George then thinks, okay, I'm going to go grab one of the coal trucks that are parked on the front lawn, and I'm going to pull one up underneath the windows. I am going to stand on it and break through a window upstairs. Mm-hmm. He cannot get either one of the trucks to start. Did they ever find, like, evidence that they'd been tampered with? They did not mention anything about it. Okay. Okay. Um, I read through probably five or six different sources, and all of them just mentioned that he couldn't get them to start, and they had run perfectly the day before. The next day. The day before. Okay. Yeah. Okay. They never really said if they investigated that further or and figured out. I never. That there was tampering or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Just a, just a thought. Um, so, absolutely panicked. He's like, okay, maybe I can try and start putting the fire out. He goes over to the rain barrels that they keep outside the home. But unfortunately, because it was the middle of winter, they were frozen solid. Oh, um, that's horrible. While they're trying to get into the house, their 17-year-old daughter, Marion, had run next door to the neighbor's house to have them call the fire department. Mm-hmm. And as a reminder, this is 1945, at a time when calling 911 wasn't always going to get you a direct answer. Wasn't always reliable. Um, so they called the fire department and received no response from the operator. At the same time, another witness nearby also tried to call the fire department and they too received no response. Hmm. Okay. So a different neighbor ended up actually driving into town and tracking down the fire chief like on foot. (laughs) Um, Okay. They found him drinking in a tavern on fucking christmas morning at like one yeah two, two a. A. one one two a.m okay um and he go home and wait for santa sir <laughs> he quote initiated the alarm basically and there was no actual alarm there was no like yeah there was not like he ran back to the police station and hit the giant siren button this did not exist hit the bat signal the alarm was picking up the phone and calling one of his firemen. And at which point they initiated a phone tree. So he called one. That guy then called two people. He called two more people. Each person then continued to call somebody else until everybody was notified. Okay. Um, 
The fire department, which was located just over two miles away from the Sauter home, did not arrive at their house until 8 a.m. 8. The fire broke out just after 1 in the morning. They didn't show up for over seven hours. Your phone tree don't work. They tried, <laughs> they tried to blame the holiday topped with the fact that even though the fire chief had been notified, he was not allowed to drive the truck without another fireman present. Oh, which doesn't make any sense to me. But anyway. I digress. By, by the time they got to the house, the fire was out and the home was basically a pile of ash. Oh, my God. So there was like, even if those kids weren't getting. They weren't getting out. They weren't getting out. They basically watched in horror, thinking their children were burning alive. Oh, my God. That's terrible. Okay. They believe their five children had perished in the fire. But when they searched the house remains, they found no human remains. None. Not a single fragment of anything. Yeah, because you would think they would find bones. They would. S- they should find something. a whole freaking skeleton. Yeah. They found nothing. Weird. Absolutely fucking nothing. Weird. Okay. The fire chief, unbeknownst to him and <laughs> his lack of knowledge in science, um... <laughs> He believed that the fire had burned the bodies completely, and that's why they could not find them. That the bones had been reduced to ash, and they were not going to find them. Do you know how long, I mean, I know this is terrible, but uh, do you know how long you have to, like, burn? Ah, yes, I, I do, because I will tell you in a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you have to do it for a long time. It is a very long time. Um, for it to completely disintegrate, it is a very long time. Mm-hmm. Very long so the fire this is what I know about <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> forensics I don't know how to pay my taxes but I can tell you how long it takes for a body <laughs> to burn and disintegrate completely bones and all <laughs> that's like that one time Tyler and I, I sorry tie tangent one time Tyler and I saw this movie and it was like oh, I forget what it was but it's based on the turning of the shoe the turning that's what it's called and she's like running through the forest and she, like, happens to just, like, rip out part of her dress and, like, strangle this guy for a while. And I just was like, you didn't do that long enough. It takes this amount of time for somebody to fully be, you know, suffocated or, like, be strangled or whatever. And Tyler turned to me in the movie theater and was like, what? <laughs> I, I was like, it takes, like, five minutes of constant pressure at the same, like, amount of, like, poundage mm-hmm. for, for someone to strangle someone else. Yeah. For and them he, to, like, and he out. was like what <laughs> why do you know this? Why, why do you why do you know why do you know that no, that's like one of my favorite things to tell people is like when you're watching any freaking procedural cop show and they like they do that thing where they always do the freaking choke hold where they put them there so like their neck is like in the crook of their elbow yeah 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 and they sit there and they're like holding them and they're like uh, 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 and they struggle for like 30 seconds and then the person just like fucking keels over and i'm like do you realize <laughs> He would have to do that for, like, ten minutes before the guy would even pass out. I was like, what is this shit? Yeah, anyway, so that that is not... Science, my friends. Science is a thing. (laughs) Procedural cop shows don't know it. Um, (laughs) No. (laughs) 
So, excuse me. They ended up attributing the fire to faulty wiring. Saying okay. that that is what caused it. Um, the, dis- the Sodders actually decided that they were going to turn the grounds of the home into a memorial for their lost children. And so they covered it with fresh dirt and planted flowers. That's so sweet. Um, now, at first, you know, they were busy mourning their children. But then it hit the point where they began to question the events that happened that night. Um, yeah. And it slowly became more apparent that something was wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, <sighs> Leading up to the fire, there was so many strange things that happened that are extremely noteworthy. Okay. One main thing happened um, in the fall when somebody showed up on their front door and they basically were just kind of looking for work. They asked George if he needed a hand with his with his trucking business. Right. And while they were talking they kind of were walking aimlessly and this person like wandered into their backyard and they kind of, he kind of just like George was with him. And at one point they walk past the fuse box and this guy just like stops points at the fuse box and goes, that's going to cause a fire someday. And George was like, what? And like, I would have been like, why show me? Well, like in that moment he was like, okay, and so he called a local company and had them come out, a po- like a power company, and, look and at had it. them come out and inspect it. They said everything looked fine. It was totally operational. There was no huh. obvious issues. They don't understand why they would, that why they'd think there'd be an issue. So, but then they said faulty wiring. Mm-hmm. Oh, you just wait for this. It gets, it gets better. Um, that doesn't seem right. That doesn't. That doesn't seem right. Um, one extremely noteworthy thing um, occurred actually quite a while before George had even started his own trucking company. Oh, okay. He worked alongside a man named Fiorenzo Janatolo. <laughs> Janatolo, J A N I T O L O. Janatolo. J A. Yeah, Yan- or is it Yanatolo? Yanatolo. Okay. <laughs> we call him Fiorenzo. 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 Okay. Um, so they were very good friends. Okay. They worked closely. Um, even though they disagreed on politics, they were just very good friends. And even after George left the company, they they remained close. It was at this point that George had actually taken out a mortgage insurance clause. And this mortgage insurance clause stated that if anything were to happen to the house, a $1,500 payout would be given to Fiorenzo. Which my brain just goes, what? Why? Why would somebody else get money if something were to happen to to your your house? house? Yeah, okay. Um... Even more strange was that, unbeknownst to the Sodders, Fiorenzo had actually gone behind their back and upped that amount. He upped it so it was seventeen fifty. That's us. And when their house burned down, he did receive the payout. That's us. That's fucking weird. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Before the fire started, 
before the fire started, before the fire happened, he later on had also tried to convince George into buying additional life insurance policies. He was a salesman. Um, he really wanted George to do it. He kept pushing him on it and pushing him and pushing him. And George was like, no, I do not want this. Stop. Like, eventually he was like, just, I, I'm getting frustrated. Like, I don't want this. Fiorenzo got pissed. He was furious. To the point where he got so upset that he told George his whole house would eventually go up in smoke, his children would be destroyed, and that he was going to pay for every negative mark he'd ever made uh, negative remark, sorry, he had ever made against Mussolini, who at the time was the current prime minister, as many like to refer to him as the dictator. Of a dictator. Italy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. He's not a so he's not yeah. an Italian citizen anymore though. But he has strong opinions on politics. And oh, well, I said he'd, he'd live to regret the remarks, I guess. Yeah, yeah, so he had made many, many negative remarks towards Mussolini. Okay. And this, as I mentioned, was one area that, one area that Fiorenzo and George disagreed. It's politics. Okay. So um, Fiorenzo was not what? too pleased about the things he'd been saying. Um, Yowza. Okay. Later on, some of the children recalled a time that they had been returning home from school. And when they were getting off the bus, they actually noticed a man in a parked car, like, just a little ways down the road. And he didn't seem to be doing anything. He was just watching them. Like, just sitting in his car, intensely staring at all of them. Yikes. Nope. Um, nope, don't like that. And a few of the other strange occurrences happened on the night of the fire. Okay. Just after midnight, less than an hour before the fire broke out, uh -huh. Jenny woke to the sound of the phone ringing. She rushed to answer it. She didn't want it to wake up the kids. She said there was a voice on the other end that she did not recognize. And in the background, she could kind of hear laughter. She said there was, like, clinking glasses. It kind of sounded like somebody was calling from a bar. Mm -hmm. The unknown voice asked for a name she didn't recognize. And she said, I'm sorry, I think you have the wrong number. To which the person laughed and then hung up. Weird. Um, it was then that she noticed that some of the lights were still on in the house. Despite having asked her kids... To shut them all off before going to bed. She was like, oh, they're just young kids. They probably just yeah, like ran inside from feeding the cows and whatever. So she goes down. Well, she doesn't go downstairs. They're on the first floor. Her bedroom. Their bedroom's on the first floor. They. She goes out. She turns off all the lights, closes all the drapes that were left open, and also notices that the front door was left unlocked. So she locks the front door. Yikes. Okay. Um, it's also at this time that she notes that 17-year-old Marion had fallen asleep on the sofa. Okay. Um, so she heads back to bed, and as she's climbing into bed, she hears a loud bang on the roof. And she said this loud bang was followed by the sounds of almost like something rolling down the roof, and then a thud when it dropped off and hit the ground. Huh. She said she didn't really think much of it, and just didn't, Went he back didn't to hear bed, anything yeah. else was just like i'm tired i'm like i'm just going back to bed like, right 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 whatever 
Okay. So, a little while later, after the fire, um, Jenny had grown extra suspicious of the fact that they had not found any remains. Ah, uh, yeah. Jenny was like, I do not accept this. This does not make sense. <laughs> to the point where she started conducting her own experiments. She would take animal bones from chicken or pork or anything, any meat she purchased that had bones in it. Yeah. And she would try to burn it. Yep. She quickly found out that it was impossible for her to burn those bones to the point where they disappeared completely. Yeah. She then went as far as to contact a crematorium. (laughs) <laughs> to be like, how long what? did this take? Good for Jenny. <laughs> um, the Just crematorium informed her that the bones of a human body will only disintegrate after a body has been burning for over two hours in temperatures of 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit or hotter. The fire of their home was said to have gone out after 45 minutes when the home was reduced to rubble. And there is absolutely no way a house fire burned that hot. That's sus. Today, we bask in the light of mustachioed greatness. Hi, this is Daniel Segura, host of the Mustachioed Podcastio. You like mustaches? You like movies? You like sexy chicanos? Well, the Podcastio is the place for you. We are talking legendary mustaches from Charles Bronson to the Great Bird Reynolds to the OG Ice T. Find the Mustachioed Podcastio anywhere you listen to podcasts. That is M O U S T A S H I O D Podcastio. They also learned of a fire that had occurred in a nearby city in which they had found full skeletal remains of those that had perished within the fire. Yeah, so that means they would have found their skeletal remains had the kids been on the second floor. Yeah, so exactly. There would have been five bodies. There would have been. There is no doubt about it. Even if they were not, like, Full intact skeletals, skeletons. They, they would have found the skulls they or would bones have or found something. Everything. Right. Um. So, a further investigation actually went on to reveal to the family that the electrical lines had been cut. Now, if you remember, they claimed that this fire was caused by faulty electrical wiring. So they were like, that doesn't make any sense. You're telling me faulty wiring caused the fire, but now you're also telling me the wires were cut. How do cut wires that have no electricity running through them cause a fire? Yeah. What the fuck? Okay. Now, if you also remember, Jenny had been awoken at about midnight. Yep. At which point, not only did the phone ring, but she found lights left on her home by her kids. An hour later, when the fire started, the lines were cut. Within that span of time, the lines to their home had been severed. Shit. Okay. So, one day, they actually went to the site to pay their respects, tend to the flowers. Um, they had Sylvia with them, and she was playing around in the yard. And all of a sudden, they noticed that she was playing with an odd-looking object. 
It was hard and made of rubber. And when Jenny brought it to George, he discovered that it was a napalm pineapple bomb. That it was often used in war. A pineapple bomb? Yeah, that's what they called it. Okay. I did not look this up. If you would like to look this up, I will give you permission because I wrote that down. I have my phone. Forgot to look it up. Give me your phone. (laughs) I've just been watching the timer on the computer. (laughs) I didn't even realize. (laughs) Um, Okay. And it was often used in war. And at this point, Jenny recalled the moments where she heard that hard object hit the roof and roll off. This would also later coincide with a witness statement that said he saw fireballs being thrown at the solder home. What? Oh, okay. The American pineapple grenade originated in the first modern shrapnel. Origin. What? Okay. Originated in the first modern shrapnel grenade. The English 1915 Mills bomb. Um, 35 million Mills bombs, which I'm guessing are grenade bombs, or pineapple grenade bombs, were used in World War One. Um, it could be used in a rifle for additional range. Ooh. So it's a it's a grenade. Yeah. Essentially. Okay. Like with the like literally like literally looks like the grenade that oh, we it, know. It like literally looks like like if you were to draw a grenade like from your mind that that's exactly yeah where you what pull it the little the looks little like the thing, little, yeah you pull the pan out and throw it and it and it yeah okay um that's what it is <clears throat> they had also discovered later on the ladder which was normally propped against the house was over a hundred feet away just laying in the middle of the yard it so com- was it possible that like a grenade went off and blew it and blew it. Because they didn't put it there. Shit. Okay. And like literally the kids are going like went out at the in the middle of the night to do to like feed the cows and put the chickens away. Like what would they have done yeah. with the ladder? So they were little like this was supposed to be supposedly nine a large like, ladder that cl- could have gotten them up to a second floor window and stuff. A nine and a four. I mean, a nine and a 14 year old, I guess maybe. But like, why would they be fucking around? Yeah. With the ladder? Well, like, literally, what? I would be like, let's get inside before like because I'm cold and I, and I don't want to do this. Yeah. Um, so those are just a few of the odd things before and after the fire. Weird. And then the, it just like, this just mystery just explodes. Oh God. Okay. So news of all of this started to spread. Yeah. And this was the point at which people began to learn that Jenny and George did not think their children were dead. Um, they started receiving contact from many people claiming to have seen their kids. Weird. One woman said the very night of the fire, she witnessed all of the children crammed in the back of a vehicle being driven out of town. Another report came from a woman who was working as a, um, as a server in a restaurant over 50 miles away. She says that on Christmas morning, she served the children breakfast. Uh, um, A worker in a hotel in South Carolina recalled seeing the children. Um, She said she didn't even realize who they were until she later saw the newspaper articles with pictures of the kids. I mean, 
honestly, if you don't know, like, you know, if they don't. They're just kids. Yeah, they're just kids. They're just there with somebody. She said the reason she remembered it so well was because she was working late at night and the children were accompanied by two adult men and two adult women who appeared to be of Italian descent and that they were checking into the hotel around midnight. They got um, a couple extra, like, extra large rooms with several beds. And when she tried to be friendly and kind of, you know, just say hi to the kids and just, like, you know, right, be a nice person to a child, um, the men became extremely hostile. They started speaking rapidly in Italian and almost angrily, and they basically, like, shunned this woman and, like, ran from the lobby. Huh. She said that they they stayed they stayed just that night and checked out extremely early the next morning. Wow. Okay. Um, it was at this point that George and Jenny tried to actually send a letter to the FBI to ask for assistance. They were like, we're not getting anywhere with local PD. Something is wrong. Like, something is clearly wrong. All this odd occurrences they, this is not a coincidence anymore like this right, right. is weird yeah that makes sense they received a response from edgar j hoover himself who told them they can't do anything the only way they are allowed to assist because it is a local matter is if the, is if the local department enforcement call them in. them in when they went to the local pd and said please have the fbi come help they said no we don't need it what the fuck? So because of the local PD, they could not get the help that the FBI was willing to give. That's fucked. Isn't it? That's so fucked up. Okay. So at this point, George and Jenny were like, fuck it. We're going to try and do this our own way. They hired a private investigator. They hired a man named C.C. Tinsley. Tinsley managed to uncover that um, the... Uh, um, I'm sorry. I just blanked on his name. Fiorenzo. Okay. Was actually part of the coroner's jury. Okay. What's that? The coroner's jury helped decide the true cause of the fire. And I do not know why they're called the coroner's jury. Because, yeah. But this is what all of the... That's hella sus. <laughs> this is old time, and this is what all and of he the And he decides said. how the fire ended. He has so a stake in the insurance policy. Of course he's going to say it's an accidental fire. Yep. He was part of the jury that agreed the fire was accidental. Ugh! Okay. Tinsley also uncovered a rumor that the fire chief himself had discovered remains at the scene. Huh. Supposedly, he had discovered a heart, and he had buried it inside an old TNT box under the rubble. What? They went to the fire chief, and they were like, what the fuck? Brought the fire chief to the house, eh, or to the remains, at least, of the house, and made him point out where they buried it, and they uncovered the box he had buried. It turns out, it was not human remains at all. Oh, they sent it for testing and discovered it was a beef liver that he had put in that box and buried on purpose in hopes that they would find it, consider it remains, and think the case was closed, that their children had died in the fire. Literally because he couldn't do his job and just like, figure out where they were. Yeah. 
he just like wanted it to be over oh my god okay so over the next few years it just kind of the information slowly kind of trickled away um george did see a photo in a newspaper one day of a class of children at a school in manhattan Mm -hmm. he was absolutely convinced that one of the children in the photo was his daughter betty and he actually drove all the way to new york in hopes of meeting her and speaking with the the family when he located them the family turned him away and would not talk to him which is like hella sus and also just really fucking frustrating just be like dude this is clearly my child like like if it's not if it's not his kid at all just be like this is my biological child this is not like like, i birthed her yeah like you can come meet her like uh, but but it's not your kid this is my child and i feel for you i'm so sorry you went through that but this is not your child weird like it's not hard to it's not just like a weird that's so yeah. weird okay so um four years later in 1949 the slaughters actually decided they wanted to research the rubble hmm. so they brought in a pathologist from washington dc and they started kind of digging through the memorial that they had built and trying to uncover more stuff right 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 they did manage to find, like, some little things here and there. They found, like, half-burnt books, like, you know, old boxes of this and that, things that were clearly, like, half-destroyed by the fire. But if something like that can survive... Then the human remains can there survive. There would be human remains. Weird. Yeah, because a book would burn up like that. Exactly. Ugh, okay. It is at this point that they do find small bone fragments. Oh. Okay. They take these bone shards and they send them for analysis at the Smithsonian Institute. The Smithsonian Institute, though, um, they determined that these pieces of bones were from a vertebrae. Okay. And based on the size they were, they would come from somebody in their late teens to the very early 20s. Now, this is an issue as supposedly... The oldest child to perish in the fire is only 14. Right. Huh. They said they were able to determine um, uh, determine the age due to the size of the bones and the fact that the vertebrae had not fused with the centra, which I had to fucking Google this because I was like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> uh, I am not a doctor. Um, <laughs> and the centra is actually a part of the spine that like supports the weight of the spine as you get older and it develops after you reach about the age of 22 to 23. Okay. Um, and they said that due to the fact that this had not developed and the size of the bone, they believed it was somebody from their late teens to about approximately 20, 21 years old. Okay. They said the probability of this belonging to their 14-year-old son was highly unlike- unlikely. They Uh -uh. said, well, it is possible for a 14-year-old to have their bones be that big. The likelihood Mm. is very low. They would have to be like a very large 14-year-old, and it is a very rare thing. Right. Like, it's just, and that's not their 14-year-old. He was an average kid. Yeah, they knew what he he was not, these were not his bones. Okay. Their best guess was that the dirt that they had brought in to cover this rubble 
actually had these bones already in it. Because they also discovered in, in upon analysis that these bones had not been exposed to any kind of smoke or fire. Huh. So it's definitely not one of their kids. <laughs> exactly. So another dead end for the Sodders. Um, it's terrible. When all of this was uncovered, the governor and the state police actually set up a hearing. And it was at this hearing that they kind of sat the family down and were like, this case is closed. There is nothing else we can do. They basically told them that they were closing the case, despite the fact that they had no evidence of these deceased children within this fire, no evidence of where they were. They could not explain anything. They just like kept contradicting themselves. Everything was so messed up. And they were just like, nope, case is closed. What the fuck? Okay. So George and Jenny were not pleased. They were like, this is not, these are our five children. This is half of our fucking kids. Right. We don't believe you. And we are going to keep looking. And honestly, good on them. Yeah. Um, they ended up actually purchasing a space on a local billboard around, along Route 16 in West Virginia. It had pictures of all five children. Mm-hmm. Originally, it offered a $5,000 reward. It was later up to $10,000 um, for any information and information that led to their recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, and this again sparked another round of sightings from all over the place. All over the country, yeah. They all rec- over the world, probably. Yep. They received a tip from St. Louis saying their daughter Martha was in a convent there. They received tips from Texas from a person who claimed to actually overhear a conversation in a bar um, from a person who basically incriminated themselves in this fire. Um, there was just like no this is just like all this different stuff that came rolling in but none of it was nothing of it panned out any form of useful um there was one tip that claimed the children were now living in florida and were actually housed with like a distant relative of jenny's and it's like i feel like she would know they would know but okay um (laughs) uh and then one of the weirdest things happened over 20 years after the fire had occurred, mm-hmm. they received an envelope in the mail addressed to Jenny. Inside was a photo of a young man with a note written on the back. The back said, and this is a quote, it just said, Louis Sauter, I love brother Frankie. And it says, I-L-I-L, boys. I don't know what that means. And then it says um, a series of letters and numbers, A90132, and they said it could possibly be a 3-5 at the end because the handwriting was a little in, like illegible. Huh. But it claimed to be Lewis Sauter. In the, in the picture. And they said it resembled him very much. He had the same dark curly hair. It was the same eyes the same slant to his nose they even noted the way that his eyebrow was like partially like arched in the photo and the fact that that reminded them so much of lewis huh they um tried to hire a private investigator because while there was no return address it was postmarked 
Right. And it was postmarked from Kentucky. They hired another private detective, but unfortunately, he took their money and was never heard from again. Asshole. What the fuck? What's wrong with people? People (laughs) Like, this family is fucking struggling, and you're going to take their money and run with it. They just want to find their kids. So, they actually believed so much that this picture was truly Lewis, that they updated the picture on the billboard to this photograph. And they actually had a print of this photo hanging above their own fireplace. Oh, Um, that hurts my heart. In an interview just after this occurred, George would say, quote, time is running out for us, but we only want to know if they did die in the fire. We want to be convinced. Otherwise, we want to know what happened to them. That same year, 1968, George Sauter passed away. No. Oh, Jenny, okay. Jenny, who was said to have worn nothing but black in mourning since the day of the fire, ended up passing away over 20 years after George passed in 1989. Oh, my God. After Jenny passed, the billboard that sat along Route 16 was finally taken down. Oh, um, that hurts my heart. Since both of their passing... Their remaining children and their grandchildren have continued the search themselves. The entire family thinks that these kids are alive. Yeah, I mean... Not a single one of them believe that they died in that fire. I wouldn't. (laughs) Um, The main theory that was brought up amongst all of the Sauter children that survived um, was that someone was threatening George Mm -hmm. and they believed that, you know, they were either attempting to get into either doing like a local mafia or trying to get money out of him, something along those lines. And he kept refusing. Right. And that they took these kids as a way to like push him into doing this. And he still didn't go. And he still didn't do it. And they said the the kids either died that night or if they survived, um, they said that they think that they went on and lived their life in secrecy, refusing to contact the family because they thought they were keeping their family safe. They were threatened or something. Yeah. 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 They, they probably told them, like, you can never contact your family again. If you try and make contact, I will kill them. I will do this. They think that if they survived, they were keeping their family safe by not by not coming going forward. home. In coming forward, yeah. Um, Yowza. Okay. Sadly, the last of the Sauter children passed away in April of 2021. Oh my god! Sylvia Sauter, the youngest daughter, passed away at the age of 79 this past April. And she was the last remaining Sauter child. Oh. And like I mentioned... They all died believing that their siblings were still alive. And Can you imagine being Sylvia and like growing up from age like two? That yeah, that's all knowing you, this. That's all you know. She said in an interview that is her first and earliest memory was that fire. Oh man, yikes! Um, but yeah. That is the sad and mysterious case of the children that went up in smoke. Holy shit. 
and there is absolutely no way the kids were inside that house no i don't think so and i'm absolutely convinced in one theory i read and i came across i came across an article that i like had originally taken down as a source that i ended up getting rid of because i realized it was kind of somebody's opinion i was like this isn't really a source so much as it is like somebody's own theory right but i kind of agreed with one of the things that they wrote and they said that they think you know george and jenny had said to their kids if you want to stay up late please go outside and take care of the farm animals and this was to the two boys the oldest the older of the The, group it was of the group yeah it was the 14 and the nine-year-old and then there was the three girls that also were in their bedroom upstairs and they believed that maybe they had gone outside and that's why the front door was locked and that the unlocked young, right unlocked sorry um and that the young girls had gone with them because they were curious maybe they wanted to see the cows or, or they wanted just to help be with their something. brothers and help and they all went outside and somebody took them and then that this was a targeted attack they found Man. the grenades somebody had tampered with the trucks and the ladder and, and the wires the and wires the, yeah. and this was clearly not accidental right and right. it almost seems like the fire department and the police department are all in on it are like paid off basically yeah yeah they just kept shoving this down they wanted in every way shape and form for this to case go away to go away yeah yeah and honestly, I could believe it back then. Yeah, you never know. Back uh, the, then. Ma- the mafia could have owned that town. Hell yeah. You wouldn't Hell know. Hell yeah. You don't know. You never know. Sorry. I'm not tired. Because <laughs> alcohol makes me yawn. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> she just told the whole story. <laughs> she just did all the work. And I just sat here like <laughs> a nice little plum. I don't know. It reminded <laughs> me of the of what's his face from the last one. He had like two plums, a mango. Oh, yeah. <laughs> two plums and a mango. <laughs> two plums and a mango. And a, and a pound of grapes. Pound of seedless white of grapes. Seedless white grapes. <laughs> anyway, Wait, wow. Uh, what another bummer. I I like I made your bummer. You're just laughing at me in the corner. That is, I, I remember, I remember hearing about this one. I remember the first time I listened to it from Morbid. Right. And I heard it a couple other places and I was like, this is bizarre. Weird. Weird. It reads like a mystery novel. Yeah. 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 Like, like what happened to these kids? Like, and you want more and there is not more. This is real life. Like this actually happened. Honestly, this is at this point story. though, like they could come forward and be like, yeah, we're here, but they're most likely dead. But they're most likely dead. Yeah. If Sylvia died this year at the age of 79. She was the youngest. She, she was, was probably she was the only, only two one left years alive. old. And then the one what before her, what was five? Yes. Yeah. So. that She would have been at least 84 this year. And I mean, she could have be still alive. Maybe. Maybe. But the likelihood. And that's just like, that's bizarre. It's so weird. It's very, very weird. I don't like it. I don't, I like don't it either. And she's yawning. I know. Because it's our late. I'm so tired. <laughs> and we have Friendsgiving tomorrow. We do have Friendsgiving tomorrow. I'm excited. Everybody's like, but it's Sunday. Why are you having Friendsgiving Monday? We're like, haha, suckers. We're recording on a Friday. Woohoo. <laughs> we but, are. But yeah. 
That's that. Yeah. Macy, do, would you like to tell them? I can do it. I can do it by memory. Oh, can I you do you. by memory? Yeah. 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 Can you know? Do you know where you can find us? Tell tell them where they can find us, Macy. Patreon.com slash Buzzkillers Podcast. That's correct. We have a Patreon. We're fun. We give you exclusive content. If you want exclusive content over the Christmas holidays, because we are taking a two-week break, if you guys didn't already know, that is the place to get it. We have two tiers, a dollar tier and a $2 tier. We are cheap dates. Mm -hmm. Um, You get all of our exclusive content. Plus, if you are in the $2 tier, you get a homemade card by the two of us, a Buzzkiller sticker that you cannot get anywhere from anywhere but from us. There we go. That's the <laughs> sentence. And um, yeah. So if you feel so inclined, please go and contribute to that. Any money that you decide to give will go to making this podcast better for your earballs. Yes. You can also find us all over social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Buzzkillers Podcast. Buzzkillers Podcast. We are on Twitter at Buzzkillers Pod. Buzzkillers Pod. We are on YouTube. If you go onto YouTube and type into your handy dandy search bar, Buzzkillers colon a true crime podcast. Buzzkillers colon a true crime podcast. You can find <laughs> videos <laughs> of all of these episodes if that is easier for you, whatever you feel like doing. Did I just say a true crime podcast? <laughs> I didn't hear you say that, but <laughs> I like stumbled. I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised. My mouth is a little dry, and I don't think the S came podcat. out. And it kind of sounded like I said a true crime podcast. We're a podcast. <laughs> I'm a podcast. If you didn't know, we're a podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that was YouTube, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> is that it was. where we are? <laughs> and you can listen to us anywhere you get your podcasts. But we are on specifically Amazon Music, Spotify, Amazon slash Audible. Uh, you said that twice. <laughs> I said Amazon slash Audible. You you whatever. Okay, <laughs> start again. We are on Apple Music. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon slash Audible, pa- Google Podcasts, <laughs> iHeartRadio. There's one more that I can't remember. Pandora. Yep. <laughs> Yay. She emailed it to me. <laughs> and our host, Platypus Podbeam. <laughs> I tried to do this without my phone. <laughs> you can also go to our Instagram and go to our link tree and find all of those. Yes, you can. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit easier to follow. <laughs> than me uh, drunkenly trying to spew it to you. Um, you can also go to www.buzzkillerspodcast.com. Where you can uh, listen, read a little bit about us, look at the wines we drink. You can send us a handy-dandy contact page where you can send us your topic recommendations, your case recommendations, your stories, your... Love. Love. <laughs> Love. <laughs> Love. Um, a- anything you s- your heart, little heart desires, you can send to us there. Or if you don't feel like going all the way there... You can email us at buzzkillerspodcast at gmail.com. Hell yeah. I did it. I'm proud of you. It took a little longer than normal. You only fucked up a few times. (laughs) 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 Anyway, guys, we hope that you enjoy your Christmas holidays um, or happy holidays. Sorry, I'm not that type of person. Um, (laughs) Normally, I say happy holidays. (laughs) Macy finished her drink and I did not. 
there are there are so many holidays during this time of year and um whatever enjoy you celebrate them all we hope you enjoy and celebrate with those who love you and those who you love so um don't be a buzzkill be a buzzard okay we love you bye bye This episode is brought to you by BK Creations, LLC.